the only podcast that stays till the end to see if there's a post credit scene. This is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinema. Speedy hedgehogs and gold rings in Sonic the Hedgehog. Who's there? Why are you hiding out in my garage? The entire military is after me. I'm going to give you five seconds to tell me where it is. Wait, don't hurt him. Awesome. A real life drama in Richard Jewell. Richard, you're a national hero now. Thank you, sir. But I was just doing my job. always look at the guy who found the bomb just like you always look at the guy who found the body. Jewel fits the profile of the lone bomber. A frustrated white man who is a police wannabe who seeks to become a hero. A TV reboot with a twist in Fantasy Island. Fantasies are a lot like dreams. <gasps> you rarely remember the details. But you always remember exactly how they make you feel. And the Jane Austen classic with a splash of colour in Emma. Dearly beloved friends, we gather here. Aren't you? In this time of man's great innocence. Innocence? Innocence? No. That's this week on the cinema. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me as always is Vary McIntyre. Hi. And Dan Miranda. Hello. Now, your chance to win a gold class double pass coming up just a little later on, but first. I'm Sonic, a little blue ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. And in order to save my planet, I had to come to yours. What year is it? Is The Rock president? Video games have had a pretty patchy history when being turned into movies. Either they need to condense 20 or more hours of gameplay into just two, or in the case of Sonic the Hedgehog, take a platform-based game with very little story and give it one. The past would suggest the odds are against them, so do you think they can pull it off with Sonic? Ooh, that's a very uh, loaded question there, Cambo, (laughs) because unfortunately we have not seen Sonic the Hedgehog. However... For me, Sonic was the Super Mario for many others because I I wasn't a Nintendo kid. I was a Sega Mega Drive kid. So I played Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I was always Sonic over Mario 2. Yeah, I just love There's other ones out there. (laughs) Oh, there are so many. So, um, yeah, I'm very optimistic about Sonic. Um, Now, the story here is that James Marsden, he plays uh, Tom, a small-town police officer, and he discovers Sonic, a small blue super fast hedgehog from another world. And together they must defeat Dr. Robotnik who wants to experiment on Sonic. We have a lot of uh, humorous moments based off what we've seen in trailers and some small clips. Jim Carrey, what can you say? He's like old school Jim this Carrey. This is return, return <laughs> to form Jim Carrey. So I think that there's a, there's a bit of a trope when it comes to things like uh, Sonic, which are so kind of cartoony and based in this weird video game reality which is that they always bring them into the real world yeah it's always like the real world reacting to them smurfs did it as well is that kind of thing so you either need to go fully animated sonic movie or you bring animated sonic into the real world it's not like the most original way to do it but it's also like a tried and true method of kids entertainment so bringing sonic to our world 
means that we don't get to see his friends like tails, tails and knuckles. knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe there'll be a sequel and we'll see more of them. I mean, they had so much difficulty designing one Sonic. Oh, Imagine yeah. how hard it would be We're designing talk about more. That at some point, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you got that little descriptor about being a small blue fast hedgehog yes. from IMBD because I saw that as well and I was like, that kind of really doesn't sum up Sonic, does it? Because for one... Being a hedgehog, he's quite a lot larger than, than a hedgehog. <laughs> Maybe from his world, Hedge- this is small. <laughs> <laughs> and he's basically an alien from another hmm. dimension. So, yeah, it's... it's. Um, and how does he get through small. these dimensions? It's through the rings, right? Yeah. Yeah, the rings look like a kind of a, a bit of a MacGuffin to <laughs> like combine one world to the other. So we're talking about Sonic, the titular character, hmm. and he's being played or voiced by Ben Schwartz who I love. Mm. He is so good at being the most annoying person in the world. Like that's his comedy style, like Parks and Rec. Where he yeah, plays that's Ralph his character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so him as like this really wise, cracking, annoying hedgehog, it's, it's actually really good casting. I was really happy when they cast him because I understand like the, you could go with like a bigger comedy name, but I kind of like that he's not so recognizable that it's distracting either. Yeah. I think it's a really smart choice. And you I probably think, just like it's not Josh Gad. Oh. oh, I love that it's not Josh Gad. <laughs> but, but also, like, you're right, because Sonic is obviously super fast, so you really need that fast delivery that yeah. he has. Road trip? Woo-hoo! Oh, my God, the world's largest rubber band ball? No, this is not some Let's fun go. family road trip. <laughs> it was lame. Give Shabba school, though. Now, Sonic the Hedgehog was supposed to come out about a year ago, mm. and a trailer dropped and the internet collectively lost its mind because yeah. Sonic was scary. <laughs> Horrifying. Human teeth. He had weird buggy little eyes. Huge, long, spindly legs. The memes immediately were everywhere. <laughs> the, I've never seen the internet pile on something so yeah. quickly apart from maybe cats. I know the two original creators, the Japanese guys who created Sonic, were quite baffled as yes. well. And within just a few days of this trailer coming mm. out and so much like... Hate. criticism <laughs> and uh, people joking about it. The director, Jeff Fowler, he, he actually said, thank you for the support and the criticism. The message is loud and clear and you aren't happy with the design and you want changes. It's going to happen. Everyone at Paramount and Sega are fully committed to making this the character the best he can. Hashtag Sonic movie. Hashtag gotta fix it fast. <laughs> and I actually appreciate that he was like, okay, I hear you. Yes. You're not happy. And they did delay it almost an entire year and completely redesign Sonic to make him look yeah. like the Sonic everyone knows. They gave him gloves. They didn't give him weird fur hands. Mm. They gave him all the classic Sonic things. So who do you think should see Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah, I think if you're a fan of Sonic, like myself, you'll 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 enjoy this film. Like I see like parts of the trailer show the the game or the world in which the game is set. So you'll get a bit of that yeah. and then you'll get another layer because it's in our world. Um, if you like video game films, some good ones that I like, Wreck-It Ralph, which Sonic actually appears in, mm-hmm. um, Pixels not so much, but you've got Detective Pikachu, which came out last yep. year. Yeah. Um, and it looks better than the Super Mario Brothers from the 90s. Don't even mention that, Camber. <laughs> That's, that doesn't exist. That was an alternate <laughs> universe. It's going to be a family-friendly affair and Sega's headlining character, it, You've got to come on board with that. This just seems like a little bit of silly fun. So fun for the whole family. Maybe a good date night for the younger couples out there. You're a suspect. You don't talk. I talk. Say it. I don't talk. This might be the only way to clear your name. I want you to say there's a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. Stop trying to be their best friend. I was raised to respect authority. Authority's looking to eat you alive. Palm in Centennial Park. We have 30 minutes. 
I'm sorry, what? His accusers are two of the most powerful forces in the world. The United States government and the media. I do want to help y'all on law enforcement, too. There is a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. Richard Jewell has made headlines lately as being a movie based on a true story with a bit of a problem with the truth. People have called out a few facts as being a little untrue. So accuracy aside, is the movie entertaining in its own right? It is definitely entertaining. I didn't know the story myself, so I didn't know whether any of these facts were true or false or whether Richard Jewell had set a bomb or not. Mm -hmm. So I was very interested to watch it without researching it first and just appreciating the story. So for those who don't know, it's based on the true event of the 1996 Atlanta bombing. And Richard Jewell is working as a security guard at Centennial Park and it's during the Olympics when he discovers a suspicious backpack. No one else is taking it as seriously as he does until they confirm it's actually a pipe bomb. And so they evacuate the area. And even though hundreds of people are injured and two are killed, Jewel is hailed as a hero for his actions. But soon the FBI names him as their prime suspect and the press vilify him as a terrorist. It is this crazy story and I guess shows mm. the the power of the media. Yes. Because, yeah, he, he did a, a good thing. But because he's he's a bit of an odd guy. And yeah. he, he is what people kind of classically look for, for like, you know, yeah. he's a little heavy set. He's, he's a little more like um, introverted. introverted. So immediately once the media gets on something, you kind of can't shake that reputation. Yeah. And that's, I guess, the theme of the movie. Well, I th- the, the main thing that they had was they were building a profile about him and he fits the profile, mm. but they didn't have much evidence no. to go on, which is the terrifying part. They didn't charge him with anything. He wasn't arrested. He he didn't even go to trial. Like this is all just, well, trial by media. Yeah. And I I wonder how many people would actually fit that profile because this is in Atlanta. We've got white guys who like hunting uh, so he has a lot of guns and some, like, war memorabilia. Um, and I'd say a lot of white guys in America would fit that profile. <laughs> and it's funny because the character of Richard Jewell in this is played very perceptive. Sam Rockwell's character calls him Raider because before he becomes mm-hmm. a security guard, he's he's working at this office and he's he notices small things. Yeah. So I think, like, they, they set that up very well because, you know, obviously he um, focuses on – the, the things that people think are inconsequential. So like he's the perfect. The yeah. backpack, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he does a great job there. But what for me I really loved about this film, I got really like invested and emotional mm. almost whenever Kathy Bates' character oh, came yeah. on because she plays the most caring, beautiful mother and she their house gets ransacked by the FBI, I guess, or the, yeah. Yeah, to try and find evidence, which mm. of course they find nothing. But yeah. Um, She's like saying, what are you doing taking my Disney videotapes there for when I do, you know, <laughs> yeah, babysittings? And I'm like, oh, she's yeah. just, she just doesn't really. It's, it's yeah. really great. She deservedly has gotten a couple of Oscar noms yeah. um, yep. for her performance. Yeah. And Sam Rockwell also very good. Yep. I think the main guy, Paul Walter Hauser, who plays Richard Jewell, should have got a nomination for his performance as well because I started out for the first like two-thirds, the two acts, really disliking him. I think he was really unlikable. And then at the third act, I did like him. Yeah. And so I, and I, it's almost like a magic trick that movies can make yes. you do that. They'll take someone really unsympathetic mm. and by the end you actually 
care about them yeah. and you're, you're, you're invested in them. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to this is directed by Clint Eastwood. Mm. He's as solid as a rock mm. director. 89 I mean, he, years old. He, he's, he's 89 <laughs> years old. He's been directing movies since like the early 70s. He knows the craft pretty well. He knows what makes a compelling narrative. He has the odd misfire, but they're pretty rare. Yeah. He's just a, he's like a jobbing director. He'll, 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 like, he'll kind of take anything. He gets them done cheap. He gets them done fast. And he gets them done to a really good quality. So I think if you're a little unsure, just knowing that he's behind it is almost like a, like a stamp of approval to be like, it's at least minimum a very well-made, decent movie. And then sometimes it goes even beyond and makes a really great movie. So who do you think should see Richard Jewell? So I think this film is a fascinating look at the power and responsibility the media have when it comes to, you know, in, informing people and the world at large. It, it really, um, through, I guess, Olivia Wilde's character focuses on the lengths that some people might go to, even though it's not incredibly yeah. <laughs> true. May true. Or may not be true. <laughs> a lot of uh, this is, you know, made up a bit potentially, but like, it's just, just, it's a fascinating look at the the power of the media. And I think if you, if you enjoyed Just Mercy, as you mentioned, Vary, yeah. uh, this is a little bit like that to, to some extent with a, maybe a sprinkling of bombshell and even midway, I think. You reminded me of Sully. Yeah, yeah. Well, another Clint Eastwood was another, movie. yeah, yeah Clint Eastwood film. So he, he's really good at that as well, taking a, a situation that would make a really great film and hasn't been made into a film <laughs> for a while. Like I think the the project passed around for a while before someone actually made it and I'm glad it landed with Clint Eastwood because he's done a brilliant job. Also still in cinemas, Birds of Prey. Harley Quinn and the three others. <laughs> <laughs> H is for happiness. Beautiful Australian family film. And Colour Out of Space. A psychedelic, trippy farm movie. Yes, you can hear about all of those movies and, in fact, everything that's in cinemas right now in our back catalogue, which you can access from whichever podcast app you'd like. Emma. 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 Um. Jane Austen has been adapted so many times now that it's almost hard to keep count. Every version must have their own unique spin and make it stand out. Well, I've never seen one quite as visually striking as Autumn DeWilde's new take on Emma. But is it more than just a feast for the eyes? Oh, you're very right. This is my first foray into the world of Jane Austen. So oh, really? Yes. Wow. I know. So, Do you, do you like a woman that's being put upon by society? <laughs> Because that's a theme uh, in all of her books. Well, I like I like this adaptation of it. Visually, it's probably the the most delicious looking film I've seen in a while. So for those like myself who don't know the storyline of Emma, it's about a young, well-to-do woman. She's like a matchmaker of sorts. And she's slightly self-centered, but is hung up on the idea that her perfect match is the elusive Frank Churchill, who is yet to visit her estate. And uh, her matchmaking around the place. Yeah, she's like the queen bee of this sleepy little village. Yeah. She's the most handsome, clever and rich lady. I love the and way they she, use handsome in this film. Yeah. Mm. She takes advantage of that and she reminds me of, well, this whole film reminds me of Mean Girls. <laughs> and um, she is the plastics. And this other character comes in who's an orphan. She kind of takes her under her wing and transforms her into a lady and she tries to match make her with a couple of different guys and which she has done for her friends in the past. So she kind of likes to meddle in things because mm. at the same time as she says that she doesn't want the limelight because she's matchmaking for other people, that definitely puts her in the yes. limelight because she's the centre of attention because she's doing all the string pulling. 
So there's there's two things in particular that I am very excited about because you guys got to see, but I actually haven't got to mm. see yet. So I've got questions for you. One, Autumn DeWild is, she's famously a photographer. She does a lot of like music photography. Yeah. She took the photo of one of my favorite albums of all time, A Figure Eight by Elliot Smith. It's uh, it's like a really iconic like indie pop album cover. And she took that photo. She's got this really great eye for color and composition. So I'm excited to see what she does when she's kind of transported into like moving picture. Yeah, well, and- I've actually seen her do a HBO documentary called Six by Sondheim, which is about Stephen Sondheim's mm-hmm. life. And that was a breathtaking film and picture of his life and career. So- yeah, fantastic. And the other thing I'm really excited for is Anya Taylor-Joy, who I think is so great. I think she's re- like right on the verge of being huge, almost like a um, a less well-known Saoirse Ronan. Like she plays these characters that mm. are – They've just got a lot of complexity to them, and she handles a lot of like, uh, like all the different emotions, but does it in this subtle way that's not too over the top. Albeit this movie is a little more of the top than what she normally does, but I think she's fantastic, and I'm really excited to see her in leading roles. Yeah, she does a really good job. I think she makes a very good character actor. Um, and back to your point about the the visual style of this film, very much comes across with this director's choices. It's very sumptuous. But I've got to be honest, that's the only thing I liked about this film. <laughs> the art design, set designs and the costume. Mm. Everything else just, eh. So who do you think should see Emma? So I think this is for those people who may love the original Jane Austen film, might like literature, fans of period drama. If if you love costume and beautiful scenery, this may be for you because mm. it's a as you said, sumptuous uh, mm. film. It's like a diluted spin-off of Little Women. <laughs> because, because, like, you're you're in that world, although it does have the sensibility of the time and place it's set. Mm. Um, the performances are sincere. Um, you said Bill Nye, yeah. he, him, and both him and Miranda, him and Miranda Hart are my standouts oh, in this yeah. film. They're just heartwarming, um, and each of the characters bring a different layer that create a diverse ensemble piece. So, I think if if that sounds like something that you'd enjoy, go see it. The island has two rules. There is only one fantasy per guest. Fantasy Island! And you must see your fantasy through. Oh my God. To its natural conclusion. No matter what. Fantasy Island was a popular fantasy drama that ran from 1977 all the way to 1984 and was based around the theme of be careful what you wish for. It's best remembered now for being a bit of campy fun and only producer Jason Blum of Blumhouse saw the potential for what it really could be, a horror film. Yes, this latest reboot has switched genres. Is this genius or madness? I think it's a very clever adaptation. We haven't seen it, but I'm actually really excited to go see this one. Now, I've seen a couple of episodes of that original 1970s TV show and I can definitely see looking at it with a modern eye, you would think <laughs> that would definitely make a good horror yeah. because it's quite wild. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Probably it, it wouldn't land today if you made the series <laughs> no. because, you know, that the main character has a sidekick who's a dwarf yep. and he's a bit lecherous. Um, there are some weird things that, that go on. Um, but basically I think the movie is following the TV show's general premise which is that people go to Fantasy Island, which is this remote tropical oasis run by this um, this guy called Mr. Rourke, and he makes the fantasies of guests magically come true, but there's always a twist. In the TV show, it's more just like they learn a life lesson or a harsh truth, 
But in this version, the guests' fantasies turn into violent nightmares and they have to solve the island's mystery in order to escape with their lives. I really love that they did this. <laughs> I, th- I think it's so good because it, I think it's definitely one of those things where anything that is recognizable at all is kind of being adapted because it's got like brand recognition. Mm-hmm. And I think this is definitely someone being like, Fantasy Island, do something with it. And Jason Blum of Blumhouse, and I love Blumhouse. I think they're, yeah. they've got far more good than bad. Uh, they make them cheap, they make them clever, and they make them kind of like very accessible to the wider audience. And I think the fact that he, like you said, must have watched Fantasy Island and been like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just gone, that's it. I'm going to completely switch it up, I think is fantastic. Yeah, because in the 70s, they probably couldn't push those boundaries. And, you know, they probably kept it PG. That's why it ran for seven seasons. Mm. Without seeing it, I feel this reminds me very much of uh, a couple of things, actually. Reminds me of the sequel to I Know What You Did Last Summer in which they mm. win a trip oh, to I the Bahamas. Oh, I still know what you did last summer. Thank you. <laughs> That's the title. Um, and also of a very probably infamous Simpsons episode where uh, they live on this island. It's I think it's a treehouse of horror yeah. and um, they're all animals. Yeah. And, well, that's based on the island of Dr. Monroe. Oh, there's so many islands. <laughs> <laughs> so who do you think should see Fantasy Island? So Jeff Bodlow directs this adaptation of Fantasy Island who also surprisingly wrote Truth or Dare mm. and has chosen to cast the same actress as the lead, Lucy Hale. Yeah, so, from, also from Pretty Little Liars. Oh, I didn't watch that. Sorry, Byron. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like Pretty Little Liars or yep. Lucy Hale or Truth or Dare, you'll probably get something from this. But I think even to a wider extent because not everyone's played Truth or Dare, but everyone dreams of going to an island of fantasy. Mm. I want to know what kind of trouble they get into and like how creative they can be with killing or disturbing these characters. That's the fun part of horror. Now for your chance to win a gold class double pass, simply head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, look for the Cinema Crew post and answer the question. What is your favourite video game movie? There aren't too many good ones to pick, so it should be easy. It should really just be like Wreck-It Ralph or something. <laughs> just leave your comment with the hashtag the Cinema Crew for your chance to win. Next week, I'm actually not here, but I'm leaving you in the capable hands of Ms. Vary McIntyre. Yes, hello, it's me. So next week we've got A Man and His Dog in Call of the Wild, Snowy Horror in The Lodge, and a movie about the English Oxford Dictionary. Yeah, I'm serious, in The Professor and the Madman. But until next time, thank you, Vary. Thanks. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. My name is Cambo, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.